Hey everyone, Corinne here, one of your co-hosts of Fishing Stories. I want to first thank you all for listening along. We really do appreciate it. You are about to listen to episode 7 of our first season of Fishing Stories, but before you do that, we just wanted to let you know that while we record and edit up our next episodes, there's going to be a quick break um, between new episodes coming into your feed. We'll be back soon, so be sure to subscribe to Fishing Stories wherever you listen so that you don't miss new episodes when they come. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. In the meantime, if you have any questions or even your own fishing story, we'd love to hear it. Shoot us an email at tellusafishingstory at gmail.com. We look forward to bringing you new episodes shortly, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy episode seven coming right up. I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. Fly fishing takes us to incredible places, right in our backyard and across the world. We are here to tell the stories of those adventures. On this episode, we talk with guide, artist, and our friend, Johan Dupree, out of South Africa. And he takes us all around the world, really, because that's where fly fishing has taken him. We get a glimpse of some giant tiger fish. Yep, we talk about some flats fishing in the Sudan. We talk about fishing the beaches at night uh, in West Africa. Where uh, elephants are accustomed to people. So with that teaser. Yeah, um, really dive in and enjoy. We certainly learned a lot about some fisheries we were not super familiar with, especially in Africa. Um And also stay tuned for a little sneak peek at some new Rep Your Water gear coming out um, that you'll hear in this episode as well. All right. Without further ado, we're diving in with Johan. Hey, Johan, are you there? Hey, yes, I'm here. How about you guys? Oh, Uh, man, we're here. We're just enjoying a nice little rainy Sunday. Yeah, not too bad over here. That's good, good news. Yeah, well, it's yep. good to talk to you. Yeah, good to catch up. We're excited to uh, talk about all of your adventures. You've obviously been on many a worldwide fishing adventure, but before we get into all of that, why don't you just give us a quick little elevator pitch, who you are, where you are, and all of that fun. Okay, the short version, I'm a South African fishing guide, um, part-time artist. And I've spent the last, uh, it's more or less five years now, um, full-time in the fly fishing industry. Um, I've done a bit of guiding in South Africa, Lesotho, um, Tanzania. I've been to Sudan in North Africa, uh, across to South America, in Bolivia. And I'm currently uh, spending a lot of time in Guyana, in South America. Yeah, that's for so, Arapaima, yeah, that's, right? That's about it. Yes, that's the Arapaima project with the Indie Fly Foundation. That's awesome. Spectacular. Yeah, so it's a fun project. Well, we met Johan at the International Fly Tackle Dealer Show yeah, when, last year. When it was going on. So that was October 2019. And I remember, Johan, you and I met at the Drake Film Awards Super loud, super dark, but, you know, we still at least covered the fact that you're an awesome artist and you at least were familiar with Rep Your Water, so it's been kind of a fun connection to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I think IFTD is such a great platform to to meet people. 
I'm super happy that I ran into you guys. And from my perspective, it's been really fun getting to know you a little bit and uh, also getting to know your art more. And obviously, I've been following you ever since. And I'm just loving the work that you're coming out with and, and find it really inspiring. So that's been fun for me to watch that journey a little bit just within the last year even. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been um, fun for me as well working with you guys. And I think there's been a lot of growth in, in my art because I've been forced to do more of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a fun it's been a fun year so far. <laughs> Nothing like quarantine to keep that pen moving on the paper, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's been it's been good. Well, it, I think I saw. I think it was on your Instagram that you said that you were originally trained in uh, cartoon art. Is that right? Uh, I've done a few cartoons. Um, I think that's sort of where it started, um, where the commercial aspect started. So people had me do cartoons, and I did cartoons for the school newspaper. And yeah, I think that sort of got me going as an as an artist. Yeah, that's so cool. That's awesome. Well, we should also uh, just kind of tell the people without going into too much detail that we do have um, some collaborative gear artist edition gear coming out featuring some of Johan's art keep an eye out for that we are very excited for those artist pieces yes it's great I cannot wait to see them roll out (laughs) yeah that's a quick tease spring 2021 spring 2021 northern hemisphere spring correct (laughs) (laughs) that's right for the South Africans, I've got no idea when that is. So it's just your fault. Yeah, you know, February, March, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we're excited to hear some of your tales from guide life and you know, out on the many, many adventures. Why don't you tell us a fishing story? Well, yeah, I guess there there, there are a few fishing stories um, that stand out over the last couple of years, and but I think the one um, that really sticks with me is is what happened in Sudan in 2018. Just a little bit of background. Um, I was guiding for an um, operator called African Waters. At that time, they were called the Red Fishing, which is a story in itself. Uh, but guiding for them on the Red Sea in the Nubian Flats. And it's it's like any other flats fishery. It's great for bonefish, permit, barracuda, bluefin, GTs, the whole lot. But it's especially well known for triggerfish. And um, it's, you know, it's one of those fisheries that you go there for trigger fish and everything else is a bonus, right? Yeah. Um, so this one week we had a kind of a mixed bag of guests. We had this old Japanese American guy, such a sweet guy, and a chap from the UK, two Germans that have fished with us several times, friends of ours, and then these two Norwegians. And the story, <laughs> the story is about the Norwegians um, <laughs> and one of them in particular. Right, so this is kind of an embarrassing story, so I will leave his name out just for the sake of protecting his identity because he was a super nice guy. I hope um, that's fair. So I, I googled the most popular um, Norwegian names to substitute his, so I'll just call him Jan. Okay, <laughs> so Jan's kind of a popular Norwegian name. Um, and his friend was named Thor, which I think is very appropriate, and we'll stick to that. Okay, so this is Jan and Thor. What's important about Jan is that he was this very, very much Viking-looking dude, okay? He was he was big, like pushing 250 to 60 pounds. That's a big um, boy. Yeah. He's a big boy, right? And, he had, you know, he looks like he could swing an axe. You know, typical Viking-looking dude. And you know, he had a big laugh. Oh, you know, really cool guy. The, the main aim of the story is not to shame him. 
Okay, so whatever happens, don't think any less about. <laughs> He's still um, a big tough. We mic. all have our moments. Yes, exactly. You know, we'll, we'll just get into it, champ. So the fishing was pretty good, and everybody got into fish that week. And it was one of those typical fun. You know, everybody had a great time kind of weeks. People got trigger fish, and they got everything wanted. But the Vikings, you know, they still wanted you know to conquer that big GT. But the GT fishing in Sudan. It's not all that easy. So you have to work really hard and every shot you need to make it count. And we lose a lot of fish because the coral is very sharp and you know the stars just have to line up in order for you to get that big GT. So now it's I was like day six. I was the last day of the trip and they still hadn't caught their GTs yet. So we had to make a plan. And this the older Japanese guy is actually he's the hero in your story because he wanted to go catch one last little trigger fish. And he asked me just to go out for a morning session with him. And um, we went to a small flat. And I said to the Vikings, okay, you guys walk south and we'll walk north and we'll meet up at the end. So we go off and, you know, the old Japanese guy, he gets his little trigger fish and he's very happy. I can hear a commotion on the other side of the of the sand spit in the flat. And I'm assuming, you know, they bumped into some fish. And, you know, everybody's happy. We meet up at the bottom of the flat, and, you know, Hey, what happened to you? Yeah, yeah, whatever the story goes. And they, they actually ran into a little rat pack of GT. So just for those of you who don't know, a rat pack is just like a pack of babies, right? So they each got a little baby GT and they were happy, but they still wanted, you know, like the big fish. So we went, we dropped the old Japanese guy over from the boat and he would spend the rest of the day just chilling. He was happy, but we went to this you know, it's like a big sandy flat that really produced a lot of good GPs for us. And we specifically um, reserved this flat for the last day of fishing because of how good it is. So we get there and it was just one of those perfect days for GTs, right? Everything was was on fire. We saw a lot of GTs and they were cruising around on the flat. But no matter what we did, every time the shots just went astray, right? So every time something went wrong, we either spooked the fish or it swam into the wrong direction or was out of reach or they fumbled the cast you know the the usual stuff went wrong so eventually i'm like okay guys i'm sorry it doesn't look like we're gonna get that gt let's just take a break and you know do a normal walk for trigger fish so they they are okay with that and thor he, he didn't care much about gts so he said okay let's get a trigger fish and jan was sort of you know fly landing to the right of us walking up the flat and of course, just as we put away the 12 weights and start fishing for triggers, guess what happens? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Big GT <laughs> and what are you fishing uh, yeah. for triggers with usually? An 8 or 10 or what? Yeah, you know, the, the perfect rod is, is pretty much just the 9 weight. Okay. So, um, 9 weight covers everything. And, you know, you're fishing like 16-pound fluoro with a small little shrimp or something. So obviously that was not going to work for a big GT. Right. So... So I turn to the right and I shout to Jan, drop the nine, drop the nine, get the 12 ready. And he does everything right. He drops the nine weight in the water without thinking, gets the 12 weight off his hip, strips off line, you know, and he's ready. And this GT is coming straight down the flat, very perfectly towards him. And last minute, he just slips out, goes off the flat and into the deep. So now we're kind of fired up. You know, we saw a big GT gaming on the flat. He was looking happy. He was looking for food. I said to them, okay, we're going to wait for this jeep because it's going to come back. So we, we just set up on the edge of the flat where the fish left, and it's kind of a deep, gradual um, drop 
into open open water. We get position on the bombies, on these coral bombies, and we wait. Right, so now we're all fired up, ready, got the 12 weights, all rigged up, lines off, drags are tight. Now we just have to wait. You know, we talk a little bit of trash, and we, um, this and that, and eventually this GT comes back again. And now it's making a huge, big loop around this deep, deep water, and it's coming back down the edge of the flat. So it's, this GT literally wants to be gone, right? <laughs> he's asking for a fun. He's, he's waiting for us to hook him, and it's the perfect spot. And everything is lined up, and I say, I say to Jan, he's standing on, on my right. You ready? This is it. This is this. And he looks at me with this sort of a panic in his eyes, and he says, "I can't. I've got to go take a shit." But <laughs> Jan, I don't care, man. Just take a shit in your pants. You're, you're ready in the water. This is your fish. <laughs> And he loses it. He yells back at me with this panic and says, I can't. I am going to explode. <laughs> and he drops his rod, runs off. And, I mean, it was like less than a while and leaked away from us, just behind us on the flat, drops his pants, and gets this massive shit. Oh, I mean, no. Oh, no. A proper, like, <laughs> proper explosive diarrhea, audible as far as one. <laughs> it was a mess. And all, all the while, he's perfectly... Lined up GT, swims right past their noses. I mean, literally like two rod lengths away from us and disappears into the distance. Oh, um, no. And Thor, on the other hand, was so shocked, he didn't even make a cast. <laughs> and that was literally the last the last GT we saw that whole week. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Well, yeah, we have an expression sick. that we use sometimes of, you know, well, you really shit the bed on that one. And that is uh, a more literal story of shitting the bed on the big GT than than most. He shit the flat. (laughs) It was was a mess. Oh, dear. Yeah, the poor guy was like, literally, I'm going to explode. (laughs) Just ran off. Oh, dear. Should have taken care of that when the trigger fish were around. That's right. Well, like we said, he's still yeah. a big proud Viking. That's right. Yes, exactly. I mean, it doesn't doesn't take away from the fact that he's still intimidating, and I wouldn't mess with him. No. We fished with yeah. a no, spic- no, no shit talking about him. No way. No way. We fished with a spectacular group of Norwegians the last time we were in Bolivia fishing for a golden dorado. Oh, yeah. And uh, just enjoyed it so much. There were a, a couple of them in there, you know, similar to what you're describing, some uh, some big Viking blood Norwegians. Yeah. But they were such such good-natured and, and really good fishermen, I was going to say really fishy dudes. Yeah. And they're usually a fun bunch to hang with. Um, I hope the Norwegians then come knocking on my door. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Well, and when we we were just the two of us, and they were a group of five, and when we met them and they met us, we you know you have that kind of size up. Like we're not all just random people; it's two specific groups. We ended up being really good friends with them, and we stay in touch. Yeah, we stay in touch. It was funny when we first rolled up, and we knew that it was a group of five Norwegians that were staying in our same hotel before we went to the jungle. And uh, we went down to the pool and I mean, here they are, these like giant Norwegians with a bunch of them with fish tattoos. One of them with fish tattoos all over his arms. Yeah, all over his arms and they're just pounding beers and we were like, oh yeah, these are our guys. Yeah, we walked over and we said, are you guys going to the jungle? They said, you bet. It wasn't much of a mystery at that point. Yeah, Um, that's good. You know, when you, when you, Get rock up in an airport and you see somebody with a 
like a Sims or Patagonia bag or like a fish pond hat or something. You're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Easy in the group. Yeah. Or rod so tubes. It's, a, it's yeah, really it's easy to find tribe members. Yeah. I love it. Well, All tell right. us another story from the African fishing life. Well, <laughs> uh, I reckon, I, I guess I'll sort of recap what, what Africa is like. I think that's something people uh, are not too used to. Yeah, no, um, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's not so much a story as it just I'll sort of explain how the fisheries work. And we've got a great deal of diversity in Africa, which is which is really awesome. And hopefully this gets people more in, you know, interested in coming to Africa. It is the dark continent, but it's actually not that scary. And it's actually a pretty damn cool place. So um, I, I did a couple of seasons in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. And this is just one hell of a place. If, you know, if you imagine like Lion King movie. Oh, yeah. You put a big river in there and you fill it up with tiger fish. That's, that's pretty much what it's like. You know, it's, it's this beautiful African savannah set up with you can see lions and leopards and buffalo and and it seems like the Tanzanian tiger fish average higher quality than most of the like Zambezi system tiger fish, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's actually genetically predisposed not to be that big, right? Or, or the the Hydrocinus vitatus, which is the Zambezi tiger, is supposed to be a bigger fish, right? Genetically, it's it's predisposed to be but the fish have just been pressured so much in the Zambezi system that they just don't get to that size. Uh-huh. Uh, where Tanzania, it's a little bit more protected and we fish in a concession where the fish are really well kept. And they've been protected through anti-poaching units and um, through the Canberra North um, concession. So the fish get really big. I mean, there's a lot of bait. Um, and that's if you want to go catch yourself a trophy 20-pound tiger fish, it's the place to be. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's really, really spectacular. It's, it's well worth it. I went to Tanzania many, many, many years ago with my father, but more on just a you know, wildlife safari trip. Um, it was before I had sort of any idea of international fly fishing um, oh, yeah. potential. And my dad is not a fisherman, but nonetheless, uh, a very memorable trip, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys go to... Um Salu or Ngorogoro. Yeah. Uh, can you remember? Yeah, we went to Ngorogoro and uh, boy, I'd have to look back, but quite a few different spots there in, in northern Tanzania. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful country and the people are super friendly. Yeah. Um, the Maasai and the Swahili people are really fun, happy go lucky kind of people. I love it. I mean, that kind of trip would definitely yeah. be on my list. We've been lucky enough to travel here, North America, South America, but to try to get out beyond that for fishing would be so much fun yeah you know we both did a lot of tourism trips when we were growing up but now to experience a different culture through fishing i think you just get a very different view of of a place and people yeah absolutely i mean if 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 i have to rank top five destinations or trips i've been to tanzania as well well secure in the top five Um, so it's it's very cool place and That's I've heard, awesome. I've heard people That's compare good. tigerfish to Dorado. Is that fair or no? Yes, one hundred percent. I think it's um, having guided for both fish. They feed in a very similar way. The only difference is the water isn't as clean, generally yeah. speaking, in, in Africa, and they don't have that pack mentality. So you don't have them fringing up, you know, 
it's not as visual as Dorado. Um, in that sense, I think Dorado is a spectac- spectacular fish. But the tiger fish, you fish deep, you fish down and dirty. It's structure-based fishing, and it's it's a little bit more tedious in that sense that you're not sight fishing. But my goodness, nothing hits a fly harder. Yeah. Um, as far as freshwater fish goes, it, it yeah, it definitely hits the fly the hardest out of any. What a blast! That's awesome. Well, let's. No, it, it's good fun when you. When you get line burn from the heat, it's, oh, then God. you know you're fishing for something. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're definitely in the market for a good fight at that point. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, I know you spent some time in West Africa as well. That's always been um, a spot for me that has just kind of been, I don't know, in my mind, shrouded in mystery and potential ever since many, many years oh, ago, yeah. you know, seeing photos of absolutely gigantic tarpon and sort of... kind of off-color estuary water you know and it's always just been a place that seems like the potential is is huge yeah so so if you're talking about big west african tarpon there are two places that are really good um it's angola and gabon and gabon i visited a couple times and it's it's one hell of a fish it's it's a very impressive thing to to hook like a you know 150 plus pound tarpon off the beach at night um, <laughs> it's, it's absolute chaos um, you, you get your ass kicked um, nine times out of ten and it's not easy fishing it's it's hard work but the results are amazing um, and there are different different operators in, in, in Gabon as well so in some some places like at City Kama um, you're fishing the estuary mouth and you're basically fishing the tidal the outgoing tides and the incoming tides and more often than not they put you um, on the beach at night fishing in the African wilderness at night you've got elephants I was going to say that that sounds like a next level situation it it is but it's very well controlled and the elephants are well accustomed to human interaction so the cool thing is you can have elephants grazing like maybe 50 meters away from you while you're fishing and you know they're fairly happy go lucky just doing their business and you're just fishing so it's 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 one hell of an experience to do that that is wild so have you hooked one of those really big ones off the beach johan or have you seen this happen yes in in the two trips that i've done i have put 11 tarpon and how many of them kicked your ass (laughs) uh nine (laughs) (laughs) yes so it's it's been snapped fly lines, um, burned reels. Um, wow! And it's just, you, you can hook a fish, and it's it's in a very strong heavy current, right? So so setting a hook into a tarpon is difficult. Then that fish is getting washed out to sea, or it runs with the current out to sea. So you have to follow that fish, and more often than not, it will come and button, or it will get in the current and just school you. Um, and you hear because it's not not only um, exclusively fly fishing orientated. You get spinning guys there as well, and every now and again you'll hear somebody go tight and tarpon, tarpon, tarpon. Literally within seconds, you can hear our guys getting spooled on on like proper um, spinning tackle. Oh wow! So it's it. I think it's more about the experience of hooking a fish like that than it is to land it. Almost. Well, you have to enjoy uh, the experience if you're not landing. Right. Are you jumping in a boat as soon as you hook up? Uh, no, you don't. You landed off the beach. Um, this is at Sitekama, all right? This is a 
one one fishery when it operates like this, but there are different fisheries, um, like with the guards company, it's just a little bit north of Setekama, where they're fishing in, a, in the estuary, but off boats. Okay. And for some bizarre reason, the, the tarpon are active during the day, and you can target them off the boat. Um, you're still getting the same numbers of fish, but you're landing more. Right. So it's, it's two very different fisheries, very close to each other, but the fact that you can do it off, off the beach at night is kind of appealing to me versus being on the boat. Yeah. Because um, you can do that in a lot of places. I can't um, imagine, I mean, being stuck on the shore and trying to turn a fish of that caliber is just, I can't even, and then you throw current in the mix. I and mean, Corinne was hooked up last November off of a boat to a tarpon that was in the like 120 pound class. And yeah. we chased this thing, I mean, all over it was a really tough fight but it kicked my ass yeah but (laughs) just i mean that fish isn't even the size caliber that you're talking about and to imagine trying to turn it from the shore i can that's got to be just a beast yeah it's incredible but it can be done i mean it's they do land tarpon the tarpon landed on fly um a very few but they're well worth every one of them Uh, and, and it's not the only fish you get there, of course. I mean, you, you, you're picking up big, big Kibera snapper. Um, you know, the biggest I've landed is about 25 kilograms. Um, oh, that's a big snapper. Boy, that's a mean uh, fish, too. That's got to be a heck of a fight. That, it's incredible. It's like a, you're into a steam train. You, thank goodness they don't, they don't jump, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you'd be in a, in a lot of trouble. Um, but, so you're boxing big Kibera... Um, there's the African threadfin, which is a bizarre looking fish, really cool looking. It's like a, uh, I don't even know how to begin to describe it, but like a golden, it's almost tarpon shaped, but it's got this long beard hanging off the chin. Yeah, just, just win. Um, yeah, I, you posted one not so long ago on your Instagram. I remember taking a long look yeah, at it because it's such a, a bizarre looking fish. Yeah. You know, they're good fun, they're strong fish, and I'm happy to get a fly, and probably something you'll never catch in your life anywhere else. Right. I know they get some off the coast of Australia, but nothing like that. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, What's so, your stance on yellowfish? Ooh, I love yellowfish. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's pretty much where the, the guiding career started for me, was um, I was guiding for yellowfish um, in the situ, which is a small landlocked country inside South Africa. Um, and it's all highland, still clean rivers, and you're side fishing to these fish on dry flies and little nymphs. It's, it's like trout fishing, but they, they make these long burning runs. And they're obviously beautiful fish. We've got several species of, of yellowfish in South Africa. This one I'm talking about now is the smallmouth yellowfish. And it's kind of like grayling in a sense, but then we got the, the largemouth yellowfish, heavy predatory fish that eat bait fish and streamers and sit on logs and rocks in our two biggest river systems. So yeah, the, the variety is, is really cool. Yeah, I think yellowfish look like a blast 
to go after. I think the only thing working against them for US-based anglers is that people want to compare them to carp, which are really considered a trash fish here. Obviously, a lot of people love to fly fish for them. Yeah, I mean, we love to fish for carp, right? but I gotta be honest, when I think about international destination fishing, the yellowfish looks like a lot. It just looks a little bit too similar to the carp that are outside my back door. For yeah, me to be getting the super landscape where ex- they are. Right, right. Got to factor that in. Got to factor in the landscape, the fact that they're in running, like moving water. We've got some river carp here, but they're not, you know, they're in like big, big pools, not in those quick. Yeah, rapids. you're not going to see a river carp eating a dry fly with any type of regularity. Oh, no. let's, let's take the Orange River. The Orange River is the longest river in South Africa. And it starts in Lesotho, in the Highland country, where you know where we target the other fish on dry flies. And you follow the Orange River all the way down to the coast, just to the border between Namibia and South Africa, on on the western side. If you go a little bit further down into this river system, you get smallmouth, largemouth yellowfish coexisting in the majority of the river. And the cool thing is, you can go from swinging flies on an intermediate line um, for largemouth yellowfish to fishing small nymphs. Uh, you can yearn them for them, you can indicate them for them, you can dry fly fish for them, you can essentially fish for a smallmouth yellowfish in four or five different ways, depending on preference. Um, so it's, it's a very exciting way of fishing, and it's, the numbers are obscene. You know, we've, we've had up to 70, 80 fish days um, wow. on the Orange River. I think you're convincing so, Garrison. His little eyes lit up when you said you can urine it for them. When <laughs> <laughs> uh, you say that, you savage. <laughs> no, but, I mean, literally, you can you can go there and have a lot of fun. They're not like carp. No, that seems you like a blast. You'll, yeah, yeah. You'll get stopped at the border if you call them carp. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah. We're bringing Garrison around. I'm coming around, Johan. I'm coming around. <laughs> um, I'm I'm anxiously waiting. Okay, good. Well, South Africa is definitely on our list to get over. You know, we through fishing, we've met a lot of good friends and. And many of them are connected to or live in South Africa, so it's it's on the list. Yeah, I mean, you guys will have accommodation in, but pretty much anywhere in South Africa <laughs> by the sound of it. Yeah, oh, well, love spot. Too. I mean, the coast and inland. Yeah, right. Just say when. All right. Well, as soon it. as the borders open up, we'll we'll get something on the books here. We will. Before like we uh, move on from our story session here, just real quick to circle back to East Africa and the tiger fish. Cause that, I don't know, that fishery really captures my imagination. What's the biggest tiger fish that you've seen in person from your, from your time in, in East Africa? So during our season there, um, I've seen 25 and 27 pound tiger fish. Wow. The, the biggest fish on record is 28 pounds. So, I mean, by tiger fish standards, that, that's incredible. Um, the only thing bigger than that is obviously a Goliath tiger fish. And, and you're talking about a different animal there. But in terms of consistent number size, yeah, East Africa should be up there on the list. That's cool. I love a fishery where you know, even if it's the outlier, there are some potential fish of that caliber around just kind of changes the stakes you know absolutely yeah and, and the, the cool thing is we're not even talking about outliers um the guiding operation is very strict and we we keep a catch record of every single fish that's caught i mean every single one whether it's a three pound fish or a 25 pound fish or a 10 pound fish or 14 pound fish and consistently over the season your average fish 
that's at about 9.8 pounds. Wow. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's a big tiger fish, right? And that's your average size fish. In a day, you will connect in all likelihood a fish in excess of 15 pounds. It, it's exciting to talk about numbers like that because it's, it's very uncommon to find a consistently good fishery like that anywhere else in Africa. Yeah, that's amazing. Do they, are there any studies ongoing? Like, do you have any idea uh, how old a 20 pound tiger fish is? Yes, um, there have been studies done on them, you know, doing, um, you know, scale counts and all that. And it, it puts on about a pound a year. So you can estimate that a fish around 50 pounds should be a 50 year range. Wow. So that explains why, you know, those Zambezi fish, even if they're genetically predisposed to get really big, yeah, if, uh, being overfished, if you're being sense. overfished, it wouldn't take a whole lot. If those fish are, you know, in the 15 plus year old category, that's a, a long time to try to recover yeah. a fishery. Exactly. I mean, you're going to have to stop commercial fishing and netting in that system and let it sit for a good long while before those fish will come back. And what people don't realize is as tough as a tiger fish is, you need to take a lot of care to put it back and have it swim off, swim off strong and healthy. And that's where I can really take my hat off to the guys at African Waters because every single fish is revived um, in a proper manner. Um, and a lot of time is spent in, in treating this fish in the right way. Right. Um, yeah, you love to see From the that. way the photos are taken, from the landing of the fish, we fish heavy lines so we don't have to fight them for a long time. And um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really a well-managed system. That's, That's cool. Well, before we let you go, we want you to tell the people how they can see some of your art, some of your fish photos little Instagram plug. Yeah, tell them all the things. Right, so um, basically my entire life is on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to see fish, if you want to see art, um, if you want to see my dog, it's all on Instagram. It's Johan Dupree underscore fly fishing. I'm not going to attempt to spell it right now, but (laughs) I'm sure we can put a link in there somewhere. Yeah, we'll put it in the Um, show notes. That's it. And I've got a YouTube channel. It's just Johan Dupree. And got a couple of blood tying videos and a few nice fish videos on there. So if you want to check out work, that's where you can find me. Great. And we will add both of those links to the show notes so people can find them easily. Much appreciated. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us on a lovely Sunday night for you and midday for us. Yeah. It's good to catch up. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, we're really excited about the launch of our collaborative products with your art and then also hopefully find you on some water one day yep yes absolutely hopefully sooner than later and uh, yeah thanks for the chat and thanks for the collaboration awesome awesome we'll be in touch hopefully we'll see you on the water soon buddy okay thank you so much you guys take care you too fishing stories is brought to you by rep your water thank you so much for your support If you like what you're hearing, we would really appreciate a five-star rating on wherever you listen. And be sure that you are subscribed so that you don't miss a single episode. Thanks so much.